Hey, South Bend City Church, Mariah here, the Director of Art and Worship. We are so thankful to welcome you to our Christmas Eve digital gathering. What you're about to hear was recorded at our band rehearsal this past Thursday, but it's the exact gathering that you're going to hear in person as well. And one of the things I love about South Bend City Church is our mantra practices, not performances. So we had a fun time, especially with the opening song, and you'll hear a little fun moment that we had as a band. Regardless, we wanted to make sure this was in your hands for Christmas Eve, and we hope that you're able to enjoy it wherever you are. Whether you're a long-distance community member or a local community member that's traveling for the holidays, we want you to know that you are seen and you are loved here at South Bend City Church. Now, we know that some of you listening to this may not be familiar with South Bend City Church, and if that's you, welcome. We consider ourselves and we strive to be a place of grace and peace for the city and for the world. I'll tell you a little bit more about some of the ways that we do that later on. But one thing that I love about this community is that we are a place for doubters and believers and those who are a little bit of both. We recognize that sometimes faith can have more questions than it has answers, and those questions are welcome here. Wherever you are, whoever you are, we're glad that you joined us today. So each year during this season, a bunch of us in the South Bend City Church family choose a practice of generosity that helps us align our lives with the generosity of God that we celebrate at Christmas. For some, that's generosity of time or energy, but for many of us, it also includes financial generosity. If you'd like to make a year-end gift to the general fund, that makes a huge difference in supporting our everyday life as a church. We really couldn't do this without your support. If you'd like to contribute to the Tribune Project, our effort to purchase and renovate the former printing press building of the South Bend Tribune for our future home and a place of partnership for the common good. Those gifts will help us get to the finish line on phase one of the project as work on the building wraps up and we prepare to move in this spring. And also, our Christmas offering helps us support special projects of South Bend City Church. Local partners like La Casa de Amistad and their Immigration Legal Aid Clinic, and international partners like Redeemer Central Church in Belfast, and the peacemaking work of the Telos Group as they continue their work on behalf of Israelis and Palestinians who are working for peace. Our goal this year is $40,000, and so far we're right around the 10000 mark. And so thank you for your generosity, but we still got a long ways to go. So if you want to give in any of those ways, we would be super grateful. And you can do so by going to the link in the show notes below. Just a reminder, there are no gatherings next Sunday, December 31st, and there won't be a podcast episode. But we will be back to our regular schedule on January 7th. One more note. It's become tradition at South Bend City Church that we light candles on Christmas Eve. We'll get to that in a bit, but if you're in a place that it's safe to do so and you have a candle nearby, go ahead and press pause, go grab that candle, and come back before starting the gathering. All right, so wherever you are, whether it's the car or home, whether you're by yourself or loved ones, let's settle in and let's join in with the rest of our community as we not only reflect on Advent Week 4, but also on Christmas Eve. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump in with the rest of our community now. Listen 
Christmas Eve. But before we get to Christmas Eve, this sacred moment in time where we join like followers of Jesus all around the world with the kind of vigil, waiting and worshiping in recognition of the arrival of God, uh, we begin with Advent week four, which is kind of the strange layout of the sacred calendar this year, that Christmas Eve is also the last week of this time of sacred waiting. And to begin with, I want to remind you where we've been in our series on Advent. Maybe you've been listening along Maybe you've been with us or on the podcast, but we've talked about the difference uh, between shallow wants and impatient waiting on the one hand and deep sacred desire and long waiting on the other hand. We, we live in a world that's really, really good at stirring up shallow wants, things that might be perfectly valid to desire, you know, everyday objects, consumer goods that are probably useful for our lives. But we live in a world that's really good at keeping us fixated on those wants. And then with like one click on your Amazon Prime subscription or one trip to one of the big box stores in your neighborhood that's easy to get to, you immediately have what you want. And so it's not just shallow wants, but it's impatient waiting. And it's like uh, our muscle fibers have been shortened and tightened to the point that we don't know how to do deep wanting and long waiting over the long arcs of time that are so often required for that truly good and beautiful, those things that are really deeply wired into us for our own desires, for like love and for healing and for peace and for connection, for safety and relationship. These are good and sacred things to want, but they often come over long arcs of time. And so one of the first gifts of Advent for us is that it could deepen us with this longing. It asks us, what are you waiting for? Like, what's unfulfilled? What's unresolved? And what's kind of above your pay grade, out of your hands, the things that you're not personally empowered to secure for yourself or for the people that you love or for the world at large? And, and a big part of faith really is just admitting, owning up, facing a certain kind of powerlessness and saying, what we can do right now is hold these desires, hold these longings in the presence of God. And that might be all we can do with them. Uh, that's one of the movements that we've worked through during Advent. Uh, but I wanted to share with you a kind of a famous uh, passage from a poet named uh, Rilke that we've not shared before. Uh, this is a German poet who wrote some really beautiful, profound things. 
And in response to somebody's question, he offered this 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 sort of word. And I, I want to share it with you, and I'm going to kind of adapt it for us now. Rilke says, be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. And I might say, um, be patient toward all that is unfulfilled in your heart and try to love the desires themselves, you know, the, the deep desires, the ones that make you more human. When you find yourself wanting the kinds of things that God wants, right? And then Rilke goes on and says that these questions or desires, this is my kind of spin on it, right? They're like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And I would add, yet. And the point is to live everything. So live the questions now, he says, and perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. And for a lot of us right now, part of Advent is living the desires, naming the longings, hoping that perhaps then we will gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the fulfillment of those longings. And so as we come, not just to Christmas Eve, but the fourth week of Advent, uh, as we enter um, some songs and prayers and uh, the lighting of our fourth Advent candle, uh, and as we hear a word from Mary about her experience and the calling that she heard from God, uh, I would invite you again uh, to return to a practice that we named a couple of weeks ago of simply holding the deep questions of longing and the unfulfilled desires in this sacred space, trusting that for this moment, perhaps, simply naming and holding those deep desires is the thing that is deepening us and stretching us and helping us to grow closer to the life that God has called us to before we move any further into action or, or fixing anything. Uh, we join now uh, a prayer that comes from uh, the ancient Israelite texts, a song that was then sort of carrying those ancient longings forward into fairly ancient Christian prayers called the Antiphons. Uh, you might know the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, these are very, very, very old Christian prayers that are built on um, the even earlier Israelite prayers of longing and unfulfillment. And so we'll sit with that song and the Advent reading and our own version of Silent Night and a new song that our friend Kier taught us a couple of weeks ago, A Day of Peace, as we embark on this first movement of Advent in our journey toward Christmas Eve.
Gabriel visited Mary, announcing God's plan for her to conceive and give birth to the Messiah. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And yet, only a few months later, Mary sings to Elizabeth, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. We, like Mary, hear God's call to be part of making God's dream for our salvation and flourishing a reality. And we question, how can this be? I'm only. Yet, like Mary, the onlys that make us hesitate are gifts God can and will use, as God's love transforms us into bearers of good news. We wait as people who have encountered divine love that disrupts the status quo and ushers us into abundant life, marked by mutual love and peace that flows from the flourishing of all people. We light these candles as signs of our shocking hope our just peace, our fierce joy, and the love that transforms us. May love grow within us, transforming us into bold witnesses of God's salvation with our voices and our lives. Amen.
experience when God came to her with this surprising calling. And uh, every time I come back to Mary's experience, I'm more struck by it. I think I'm struck by it for like a bunch of reasons. I, you know, one is um, I grew up in a Christianity that often made heroes out of the men and had little to say about the heroic women in scripture. I mean, that's, that's one whole thing. That's not really the point tonight, but we should call it out for a minute, right? Uh, I'm also struck by the incredible vulnerability of God's calling on her life. You know, for her to say yes to this, maybe like with all the patina of like religious veneration that we put on Mary and the way that she's been made into this um, icon, uh, which is appropriate, I think, right? I mean, she's obedient in the most profound way and through her comes Christ. So I'm not saying that's inappropriate, but I think it's easy with all of that sort of religious buildup around her to forget that this is a young woman who's already vulnerable just by being a young woman in that time and place, who's made unbelievably more vulnerable by saying yes to this pregnancy that's sort of out of bounds for her, right? And I think so often that 
like when we look for the arrival of God, we are expecting God to come with shock and awe, right? We're expecting God to come with the kind of power that makes us feel powerful. We're expecting God to show up and for us to feel like we've been elevated because God showed up. But Mary's experience of God arriving in her life and working through her life is actually that it makes her more vulnerable in all kinds of ways. And I just think it's important to like name that because uh, another movement that we've offered during this Advent season is to wake up and to own our own power and to decide that it's time to do something sometimes. Because sometimes the answer to what are you waiting for is to name a longing that we simply can't fulfill. And sometimes the answer to what are you waiting for is to name the place where you've been passive and it's time to get active, to name the place where you've felt defeated and it's time to realize that's not necessarily true. It's time to act. But when we move into that action, when we decide that maybe God's already with us and God's already called us and God's already given us God's presence and power and spirit, then the next thing that happens is that we import all of these other assumptions about what power and strength look like. And these are assumptions that come less from the story of Jesus and more just from the world that we've been trained up in and all the other sort of backgrounds that shape us. But don't miss this. When God arrives, ultimately in a, in a way that would be powerful, but really like when God arrives, it doesn't look like power at first. You've got the vulnerability of Mary that we've already talked about. You've got the vulnerability of Joseph, who the scripture says that he was a righteous man, which means that he had a very particular reputation for upholding the law of Moses that his people adhered to. Like he was known for dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the requirements that were put upon those people by that law. And if you read through that law, you find out that the situation with Mary, they're not married yet, and she's found to be pregnant, even though they're not married yet, and it's not his kid. Uh, he actually has an obligation under that law to bring her forward for a judgment and a stoning. And then he receives a, a vision from God, calling him to a different path. So Mary is made vulnerable by this, and Joseph is made vulnerable by this. But of course, perhaps at the, most importantly and at the center of it is the idea that God arrives in the vulnerability of an infant. Like none of this looks strong. None of this looks impressive, but this is where God arrives and this is how God arrives. And I want to say too that the, the, one of the reasons to like focus on this whole story to celebrate Christmas is to say this is not just what God did, this is what God does. That this is a revelation of the nature and the character and the pattern of God's presence in the world. And so for us, like as we look at the places of longing and like, like where, we, where we're called to act or make a difference or move in the world, because things don't appear the way that we think they should be or that God thinks that they should be, just be really careful. Because if we think the next move is to make ourselves strong or impressive, we might be missing the deeper revelation of Christmas, which is that God arrives in vulnerability and that it's that vulnerability that becomes God's power. And another way of saying this, because there's a, there's a corollary here for what vulnerability is. Another way of saying this is that the power of God doesn't look like coercion. It doesn't look like control. It looks like love. I mean, love, love has its own power, but it's a very different kind of power, right? It shows itself as, as vulnerable. It lays all of its other weapons down to say, I'm simply going to show up and give myself now and trust that God is somehow at work in that and that the power of love can ultimately become more meaningful in the world than the powers of control or coercion. And we, we take that example from Mary, 
right there um, in a really important way. We take it from Joseph, but we also take it from the baby born, that this is God's presence in the world, God making God's self vulnerable in an act of love. And this is an invitation for all of us who have been meditating deeply this month on all that's broken in the world and all that cries out in the world and all the ways that we would beg God to rend the heavens and dissolve the distance between the way things are and the way they should be, between God's world and our world. And when we discover that we've been enlisted in that project the way that Mary was, we might then suddenly decide that we want to make ourselves powerful and impressive and strong. But that's not the invitation in this story, right? I even think about this in church world. Uh, You know, every once in a while, I find myself in other places and Maybe these are like church settings, like pastors getting together, or maybe it's just like I'm introducing myself to people in other situations, and they don't know me, and they don't know our church, and the questions quickly tilt toward like, how would these people know that like I or SBCC are like irrelevant or impressive or interesting, right? And um, I find myself caving to that temptation so often where like... On the one hand, I know in my heart what I love and believe about the work that we are a part of together as a community. I know that it doesn't have to be impressive. It's not meant to be coercive. I know that it doesn't need to scream its own relevance for it to look like the love of God because nothing about the Christmas story screams its own relevance or makes itself coercive or controlling or impressive in the ways that people might understand. And I know that in my heart and I know that when I've seen God work in our midst and what I'm proud of about who we are and what I believe in most about what happens in our community as we walk together, I know all of that doesn't look like the kinds of sort of... um, immediately impressive stuff that we that we want to show in the world. And yet, I, I find myself caving to that temptation sometimes and, and like wanting to tell a story about me or us that'll be impressive and that'll look strong or relevant. But I'm also learning over and over again by meditating on this story, uh, by remembering, for example, what Christmas means and how God revealed God's self, that the love that actually changes things Uh, looks a lot like a baby born and a man who forsakes his reputation and a woman who says yes in a way that makes everything vulnerable in her life. And so now as we sort of turn from Advent week four to Christmas Eve and we hear a song that helps us meditate on that night, I hope that we will hear more than something sentimental or traditional that connects us to feelings about Christmas growing up. I hope that we will remind ourselves of the radical revelation of the power of love that shows itself in the vulnerability of Jesus born of Mary at Christmas. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt it Thrill of hope, the wind. 
Yeah. 
So Christmas has this kind of beautiful, bright uh, affect to it, right? I mean, we have Christmas trees that are lit, and we sing songs about a holy night, uh, a divine kind of presence in our midst. There's this very hopeful celebration of God who is here right now with us. And we want to press hard into that. We want to fully claim that this Christmas. But to get there, I I don't want to just miss the fact that so many of our deep desires, our holy discontents, come from the sacrilege that we see in our lives and around us, the desecration that we see in our lives and in our world. And I know that there are like places in your life that you hoped would be sacred, but they feel desecrated. Maybe your marriage, you, you would hope it would look different than it looks right now, or maybe it's not there anymore at all, it doesn't exist. Or maybe you never got married in the first place, and there's just a gaping hole there where you hope that you would find romance and love and connection and safety and security maybe you look at like american politics right now and you just like like you just kind of twitch when you think about all that's dysfunctional right now in our politic or you think um overseas of uh what's happening in gaza and we keep talking about it because it, it matters to talk about the the suffering of everyday people in gaza who are suffering from the kind of collateral damage of a war and so there's all these like discontents that we feel, um, these deep desires that are unmet for things to be better than they are. But Christmas also reminds us that God is present even when everything is falling apart, that a light can shine bright even in the middle of a very dark night. And I just want to say, if that's you right now, friend, like wherever you are, listening on the podcast, if you feel that you are in a dark night or that we are in a dark night, like as a people, as a world, I'm here to tell you, like, I don't think you're wrong about that. Christmas doesn't ignore that or deny that. It, it just says that God can be present with us and meeting us and even working through us and bringing light in and through us even while things are dark. And I, like, I hope you know that about yourself too, because not unlike Mary, you and I are also given the chance to be vessels of the divine, vessels of God in the world right now. And if you wait for the world around you to brighten up before you realize that's happening in your own life, you've got it wrong, friend, because the light that wants to meet you and shine through you can shine right now, even as dark as things are. And so we're about to come to the point in our our gathering here on the podcast where uh, wherever you are, you'll have a chance to light a candle with us. Um, I know that Mariah told you at the beginning here, you might wanna have a candle to light. And this will be the moment for that because uh, before long here, I'm going to lead us in a bit of a reading. And then at the end of that reading, we're going to hear Silent Night again from the band, the traditional version of it. And during the reading in that song, I I hope you will actually light a candle. I don't know where you are, at a dining room table or uh, on the couch, maybe with a coffee table in front of you. Maybe you've got a candle on the table or a candle in hand. Um, But I hope that you will actually join us in the sacrament of lighting a candle this Christmas Eve. And that you will allow the power of a perhaps frail little flame um, that still, in spite of its frailty, can not only illuminate a room, but, you know, can set the world on fire. And I mean that in the best way, right? 
I hope that you'll allow that to become an icon and an image of what Christmas means for us and what's been revealed to us about the way that God arrives. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, I also know, friend, that you might feel a little bit spiritually homeless right now, and that might contribute to the feeling of darkness that you have around you. But I'm just here to tell you that even if we're not all together in person today, uh, there's a way of being together in spirit that matters. And there's a way of knowing that God is with you in spirit that matters. And I hope that you can lay claim to that. In spite of whatever doubts may rattle you, whatever fears may shake you, I hope that you can lay claim to the idea that God is with you and lighting a path before you and shining through you into a world. And when God shines, it won't look like strong or impressive. It'll look like love. And as you open your life to love and your heart to love and you allow love to pour through you, you will be a part of that light that spreads for the world. And others, perhaps, who themselves have been begging God to rend the heavens and to dissolve the distance between God's world and our own, it might be that the light of your own life, the power of love that comes through your own life, that it's the answer to that question for somebody else who would discover in your presence, in your kindness, in your faithfulness, in your bravery, in your conviction, in your sacrifice, in your showing up your full self, believing that God's working through all of that. It may be that your life is the answer to somebody else's begging God to rend the heavens and that who you are and how you arrive, how you show up in the world, uh, is, the, is the arrival of heaven in some way that matters for them. So as you light that candle, I hope you will know that it's not just God who arrives for you, but that it's God who arrives through you and through the vulnerable power of love meets a world in longing. This is um, part of the power of Christmas that teaches us to wait and wake up. And we wait for love and we wake up in the power of love realizing that God's at work through all of it. And so now, friend, uh, if you've got a candle nearby and you want to prepare to light it, I'm going to lead us in the same reading uh, that will mark this moment in our gatherings at Studebaker 112 this Christmas Eve. And uh, I hope you will allow these words uh, to meet you in this moment. To a people longing for hope and yearning for deliverance, the prophet Isaiah declared, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness on them, a light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Tonight, this Christmas Eve, we come seeking hope, peace, joy, and love. And we find these things in a child. God made flesh as a baby in a manger, a baby who is both the beginning and the end of our salvation, who dwells with us even now, our Emmanuel, God with us. And now, friend, if you were with us in the room, you would hear the whole congregation pray this prayer. We live as people in the in-between who celebrate the arrival of the light that shines in lost and broken places as we wait for the day when we will live in the fullness of God's kingdom. We light these candles now as signs of our shocking hope, our just peace, our fierce joy, the love that transforms us, and Jesus Christ, our wondrous light. May the light burning in our hearts guide us, comfort us, 
protect us and tend us in all seasons and circumstances, reminding us that day and night, in the light and in the darkness, God is with us. Our salvation has come. Amen. So may you be expanded by the deep desires and long waiting that Advent invites. May you be awakened by the discovery that God is already with us. May you be inspired by the vulnerability of God's arrival in Christ, instructed in the way of Jesus that forsakes control and coercion in favor of the vulnerability of love. May you discover the light that shines in the darkness and may it shine through you. 
Merry Christmas, friends, and may grace and peace be with you. Keep it right there. Jesus, 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 Let's talk about him. Let's talk about him. Jesus. And that government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called mighty God. Wonderful counselor. The Prince of Peace. The great I am. I've been washing the blood of the Lamb. Mary's baby. Joseph's son. Hurt my Jesus. Hurt my Jesus. Some may call him the lily of the valley. Some may call him the bright and morning star. Some may call him the Alpha and Omega. Some may call him the midwheel in the middle of the wheel. Oh, yeah, Jesus. We can cut that part. Because I messed up my words. Hurt my Jesus. My sweet Jesus. My sweet Jesus. to the new ball.